Hello and welcome to Adventures in Venueland, an EAMC podcast. This is your all-access pass to go backstage and behind the scenes with some of the brightest minds that cross the scope of the live entertainment industry. I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. We'll introduce you to some of our favorite people as we dive deep into the world of live touring shows and the venues that host them. Today's adventure has us checking in with a sports and entertainment marketer with over a decade experience and some, some really interesting stuff. I'm excited to talk to our good friend, Kishore Ramligan. He's the manager of marketing promotions, Hollywood Park, SoFi Stadium, and YouTube Theater. How you doing? Doing great, guys. Thank you for having me. All right. First question. We got to get this out of the way. Can you get me Taylor Swift tickets? <laughs> <laughs> sure we can make something happen. All right, let, let's talk. Let's jump right in there. How many shows are you guys doing? You get your five? Is it five shows? For Taylor, yeah, man. Jeez. She's crushing it here in LA. So it has been, you know, obviously the, the talk of the industry, you know, these past uh, a few weeks and, and a lot of folks talking about it. Uh, first of all, for you from our personal side, right? Because I have people asking me, we're not, we're not, we don't even have a Taylor date, right? But yeah. me if I can get to same, what, same. You, yeah. have people come out of the woodwork when the show announced? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think with a variety of shows, especially in this industry, right, you'll hear from people that you haven't heard from in a long time when a, an artist like that pops up. Uh, but yeah, people out of the woodworks for, for Taylor. Every time she's in L.A., she's doing fantastic. I mean, you know, at, at Crypto, now Crypto Staples Center, she had the record. You know, she's crushed it at the, in the Rose Bowl. Uh, so now we get to have her here. And yeah, people are people are clamoring for her so we're excited to have her and it should be a fun one we were all watching those la dates you know and being like and just thinking oh my god they just keep adding adding more dates and so many people there's gotta be there's gotta be part of you that's like that's awesome and part of you that's like oh my god that's an entire week of my life (laughs) (laughs) yeah man i I mean especially with events right it sometimes feels like groundhog's day when there's multiple but it's it's fun because you know with a with an artist like that there's always uh, a possibility that there's special guests or uh, there's something unique about every show. And I want to say it's like the tail end of her tour. So those always tend to be the, the fun ones, you know, it's definitely, you know, a, you know, a nice, a nice trend we're seeing in this industry that I really want to talk to you about because, you know, with, with the SoFi stadium. Yeah. You know, you guys have a really healthy list of events coming up, but there was a time pre-pandemic when the thought was, you know, hey, you know, uh, arenas are going to struggle finding acts because everything's become so, you know, uh, diversified as far as lineups, you know, and and music listening, everybody listens to this and, and a lot of where all the all the arena acts are dying off. Yeah. Now we're seeing it's just not only the opposite, right? We're seeing acts that filled arenas that, ne- you know, you new and up-and-comers, but yeah. we're seeing this this healthy stadium lineup. What's it like to be part of that? Uh, I think it's exciting. I, I mean, like you said, a few years ago, pre-pandemic, it was just like, who's going to fill these places up? And, and to think like, oh, well, there's only a handful of artists that will fill up a stadium, right? Especially a 70,000 seat stadium if they're doing a, a 360 show or, you know, 50,000 plus when they're doing a, a end stage. And man, they've proved me wrong because I was one of those doubters, right? But yeah, what, right. They're doing, what they're doing and what promoters are doing, it's it's great because they're bringing on like openers or doing some festival style shows that are just killing it, it you know, bringing in acts that, you know, like the, the stadium tour with Motley Crue, you had Def Leppard and you had uh, Poison and, uh, you know, then you've got Kenny Chesney touring with a ton of great people and, uh, for for us, you know, Metallica, we just announced Metallica and they've got two separate dates, but two yeah, different wild. opening acts and Pantera is one of them. Like, it's it's crazy. So I love this. As long as you bring this up, because it's a it's a they're calling it a no repeat weekend. Yeah, right. It's so it's fantastic. two nights, two different sets, two different opening acts. You know, they're playing in the round at SoFi. Right. Yeah. So how cool. I mean, you know, and wow. I'm guessing. That entices a lot of fans to, you know, come to both shows. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, just the, the fact that they're doing that and they're marketing it at that is is amazing because how often do you see that, 
right? Especially with with touring performers. So yeah, especially in the round, SoFi Stadium, seventy thousand plus, like it's gonna be rocking. It's, it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. And and a lot of acts that we've had announced this year, or at least multiple. Uh, we have Grupo Firme doing the round. We've got Ed Sheeran doing the round. It's just exciting because, you know, that's what you want. You want that full house, that feel like, you know, when you have a football game, it's 70,000 plus. So that same vibe for a concert, I mean, it just gives you chills, right? You bring up a good point in that. I think when people thought of stadium shows maybe five or six years ago, they almost treated them like an arena show. Like you're going to yeah. have one headliner and you're going to have like maybe one or two opening acts, but they're not going to be that strong of openers. Yeah. So then it does limit that pool of like, okay, I guess like the Rolling Stones and you too can play stadiums, but yeah. who else has like that kind of pool to yep. do that? Whereas now you're right in that a lot of these stadium shows, they almost have like, two headliner level artists like you got kenny chesney with uh chris stapleton or something it's like you're packaging these these things and then now all of a sudden like almost anyone can play a stadium because you just stack it the right way on the bill and you create this yeah little mini festival festival, yeah and then you can do it with any genre almost like any artist because it's just all on how you stack the lineup And I think it has really opened up so many more tours and so many more stadium possibilities. And then, you know, that's, I don't blame the artists, although from a fan experience, you're kind of like, oh, you know, now I'm watching them from a lot further away. But imagine the grind of like playing, you know, like 40 or 50 arenas. If you can pull off doing 10 or 15 stadiums, like that is a much easier life, you know? (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. And then it's, you know, I'm not going to say it's a shorter tour, but you're just capturing a lot of your fan base, which is amazing. And, Again, you're getting more in marketing. It's getting your bang for your buck, right? Uh, the consumer's yeah. looking for that. So if you can see similar acts or artists that you you like as well outside of that headliner, I mean, the more the merrier, right? Uh, just bring yeah. them on, make it a longer day, and you know I'll be there all day if I'm a fan. So that that Morgan uh, Wallen show you guys have coming up, you know, we we've got it too here in Columbus. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a great example of that. Cause you get Morgan Wallen, but then there's also Hardy, Ernest Bailey Zimmerman, yeah. you know, so if you're a fan of that kind of country music, it is now like, like Paul was saying, it's a, it's a mini festival. Yeah. But you know, when we went on sale last week with this show, uh, you know, time we're recording this, we did uh, one date and then it rolled into a second date. Yep. And he, here in Columbus, both shows sold out yep. via verified fan. Yep. So we never even had a a public on sale, if you will, which yep. is so crazy to me. Talk to me about what that's been like for you from your end and how you guys are, you know, because obviously there was there was the Taylor Swift, but then now there's yep. Morgan Wallen. Verified fan thing is becoming huge. And, and how do you think fans are embracing that? Yeah, I think it's <laughs> the way I see verified fan, it's similar to when you're trying to buy a pair of Jordans. Uh, (laughs) good things and bad things so when you score those tickets you're like yes i won the lottery right but uh it's interesting because we try to get fans signed up to help push not just our email database but also get them so that they can sign up for verified fan to help them get those tickets at the end of the day we want fans to get their tickets now whether it's working or not i mean to me it just makes it a little harder for fans because it's true there's some mystery to it that, that yeah. doesn't sit well with fans sometimes. Uh, yeah, I, I think that on a fan perspective is is kind of the the gripe. I can't speak much to it because I haven't had to deal with it personally yet. Uh, I'm sure I eventually will, but that, that's how I see it. it. Just it's that lottery, it's that opportunity to get your tickets, and when you do, it's just like you capitalize and you get. I think it, you get your tickets, but it kind of creates that that demand in a sense, because yeah. it's like yeah. exclusivity. So it's interesting for us. We've just been, you know, trying to deal with it and mitigate and hoping that tickets sell. At the end of the day, we want tickets to sell, right? As marketers um, and having a sold out house, because that's a, a lot out of our control, unfortunately. Right. Um, we just yeah. try to handle it accordingly. And if it's selling well, we can roll to a second show or, you know, if we have that opportunity. But for me personally, it, it, it's it's an interesting approach, and I I know I kind of get both sides of like fans are happy, fans are not. But yeah, again, it all depends on if they got the ticket or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, they got the ticket, and they got the ticket, or you know, again, it creates that 
unique demand because you know that it, if it's saying verified fan, you kind of know it's going to be a quick selling ticket and then fans will be eager to wake up and line up and do, you know, again, that whole Jordan model, you know, it is, it, it, that's a great analogy because I think, uh, from people I've heard that were trying to get Taylor tickets or, or Morgan yeah. Mullen or any of these other ones, it's like it's not only them. It's like they literally have like every member of their family doing it because it is this lottery. So it's like yeah. it's it's like if you really want those tickets, yeah. do you want one chance at it or do you want yeah. twenty well, chances at exactly. it? So it's like, and it's the same with the shoes. It's like you really want those shoes, then you better like have every yeah. person you know that's a good your friend. Too loud. Also, doesn't care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All your devices are trying to log in, trying to get yeah. it, but. It, it's you're right it, it it's a di- it's a different thing it's so funny it makes me wonder too that if more shows start selling out through verified fan like how does that change the on sale do you stop having an on sale it's almost like how the pre-sale killed the on sale in a way like pre-sale used yes. to be this like ooh an exclusive thing now there's yep. like 400 <laughs> codes out there it's like yeah. most of the tickets are sold in pre-sale and then like the time oh, I have an on sale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The on sale exactly. is just like the rest of the inventory that we're dumping out. So it's, yeah. it's it'll be interesting to see over the next, you know, couple of years how that verified fan changes maybe the pre-sale or the on sale or anything. Yeah. And I think it comes down to like also you use those pre-sales and on sales in a way as a venue or, you know, a marketer or agency whatever that is as a way to grow your database, right? So finding mm-hmm. ways if, if everyone's going through you know the verified fan and they're not really going through your site or going through you know there's a lot of variables as a marketer yeah, that you have yeah. to think of but again at the end of the day our job as marketers is butts and seats and people having a good time and if we can do that in wh- whatever means possible by all means it helps us so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, there's a win in that as well totally Kishore, any listening to this podcast that's involved in, in arena marketing uh, at some point has done a WWE event. Yeah. We've all dreamed of doing the, the granddaddy of them all, right? <laughs> WrestleMania. You guys have WrestleMania uh, yeah. coming up uh, in April uh, at SoFi. Tell me about what it's like from a marketing perspective uh, with, uh, you know, putting on WrestleMania in, in 2023. Yeah, man. Uh, it's exciting for me as a fan. Right, I, grew I was going to say, it. also from a personal perspective, yes, <laughs> you have to watch Kishore as he's walking around. He's going to like, we're going to see him up on the screen, come out of nowhere with a chair. He's got the chair. <laughs> what I'm trying to do is get a match on the card. Like, exactly, exactly. Those superstars by tossing him a chair to win the belt, whatever, whatever it takes, there just some screen time. Uh, <laughs> but no, uh, it's it's amazing because again, I, I grew up watching it. I. I still watch it to this day and uh, as a fan, but also as a city, as a venue, it, you know, it doesn't get bigger in that sense for sports entertainment as WrestleMania. Uh, and that, the fact that now, ever since they were in Tampa, uh, it's a two night event. Uh, you know, I got to witness it in Dallas uh, and see what they did uh, firsthand. And now to be able to, you know, again, as a fan to work it and work alongside them to make this thing happen here in Los Angeles. It's it's pretty cool, man. You know, it, it's the Super Bowl of wrestling. Everyone really knows is. what WrestleMania is uh, and iconic things happen. And for us, it's just making sure we can match that in a city, you know, that has so much going on, like making sure, right. you know, people will be watching all over the world. People will be attending from from the last we saw or were told from our meetings with WWE, I think it was 57 countries traveling in. People have purchased yeah, tickets. That's um, so, you know, adding Los Angeles and Inglewood as a destination city and showcasing what our campus is and our venue to these people all over the world. That's the exciting part. Uh, you know, the fan in me wants to make sure that it's as successful as possible. And, you know, I'm a small grain in that in that sandbox. But. Yeah, man, it's it's trying to make sure that we meet the expectations of what WWE is wanting, but also what the fans will want to see. And one unique standpoint, as for me as a fan, I'm trying to think of those ways and finding those things that I'd want to see when I'm traveling into a city to watch a WWE yeah. event, uh, as big as WrestleMania, right? So it's been fun. It's been ongoing conversations, uh, working on bringing talent and integrating them into events in the city, 
stuff that we're doing in stadium. We just had the Miz at SoFi Stadium uh, at a Rams game, a Rams Raiders yeah, game. It was electric. You know, those guys are so good. And seeing them do it off the cuff, just naturally spewing these lines out and hyping the crowd and getting the booze from the Raiders fans and all that. It's amazing. <laughs> so having the ability to work with them to do those kinds of things, again, putting my uh, fan hat on, it's amazing. Like, uh, you know, that's always a huge advantage whenever you have some sort of event is it, when it is someone that you like personally, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, it's always a challenge whenever you have some artists come in and whether it's, you know, artist gifting or some clever thing to do for a welcome or some sort of like activation, you're having to like put yourself in the shoes of these fans that you don't listen to that music, you don't, you may be not even that age group, you know? Yeah. So it's always this big advantage whenever you have an artist or an event or some group come in and it's like, I am that fan. So it's like, yeah. you can even envision like, yeah. okay, so we have the Miz, like you can probably think of a better way to use the Miz than like someone that's never watched WWE. Yeah. They're going to be like, Oh, sure. it's just, here's a talent. Whereas you're like, I know his storylines. This would be a really fun way to play off that, you know? So it's, I'm sure that's a huge advantage because you're able to look at it from that perspective and think, okay, how do we really make it special for yeah. the fans? Because I know what that would be, you know, or I know their taglines or something, you know, he, yeah. he mentioned the line and the, he got interviewed by the in arena host, which is, it's kind of funny. Uh, they didn't know what to expect from him. And he already had thought what he was going to say. And he was saying, like, you know, something like he said the, along the lines. We have it, I think, on social. But he's like, oh, you know, I'm I'm glad everyone in here is wearing black because there was a lot of Raiders fans. Uh, because this it's the same color that they'll be wearing for the Raiders funeral or, or playoff hopes. Uh, so, and the whole crowd just started booing. And the, the hosts were like, he goes, he goes into saying like, this is the Rams house. He starts like yelling it in the camera and the hosts are like, oh my goodness. Cause they didn't know what to expect from him, but the whole crowd was booing and he just loved every minute of it. Oh, oh, man. Yeah. That's great. Hey, you know, because he was a, he was a fanboy too back in the oh, day. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's how he started off back uh, when he was on the Real World on MTV, taking it <laughs> yeah. way back. And what's funny, there's a lot of people that didn't know him as a wrestler, and like, you mean the Miz from Real World? And like, yeah. man, that was a long time ago. So, <laughs> uh, okay, so you know, obviously, we've talked you know quite a bit about about SoFi, yeah. but that's not uh, that's not all of your job. As we mentioned yeah. at the opening, you know, YouTube Theater, Hollywood Park. Kishore, tell me about your job. Tell me what you do. Yeah, What's a day no, like for you? The the day to day, the heavy day to day is uh, YouTube theater and, and trying to not just promote the events and work closely with our our promoter Live Nation and our booking team, but it's uh, you know bringing the awareness of what this venue is, this intimate space. You know, it's a six thousand seat venue nuzzled in the corner you know of sofi stadium and for us it's creating this awareness for fans that are attending these events to know what's happening at our venue i mean we've had since it's opened well over 120 events this last year was a record year for us we've had great performers um the sound is amazing and we're still you know creating our identity in the space of what is Los Angeles and what you're competing with, you know, with all the, the, the famous theaters and, and venues we have here. So doing that and bringing unique acts and, and performances and artists to our venue has been uh, one of the fun parts and again, creating that identity. So that's a lot of what I'm working with closely with the staff there outside of working those events, right? That's what makes my day-to-day -day fun and unique creating that awareness and campaign that will help us get that portion of fans that we know will come to a venue like this right um, because so if i say like you said paul earlier you might not see it, the, the artist might look like a, an ant for <laughs> at the stadium right. Place, right but you go to the theater and it's an intimate space and uh you know we've had artists like eddie vetter who has spoken so highly jack white of our audio um we've had alicia keys her uh the gorillas you know to name a few and you know here at the end of the year we're finishing with the speaking series with michelle obama and uh it's just this year has been fairly hectic in that sense with events but in a good way and what my job is is here year two and uh you know we recently were nominated as one of the candidates for 
theater of the year for Polestar. So how do we use that to brandish ourselves throughout the city and creating that messaging and uh, whether we win or not, it doesn't matter, but showcasing what YouTube theater is, is part of my, my, my day to day. And how about your role with Hollywood Park? Uh, Hollywood Park as a whole. So we're kind of the umbrella, right? Hollywood Park. And we've got uh, SoFi Stadium, YouTube Theater, Jimmy Kimmel Label, uh, American Airlines Plaza. And I'm sure there'll be more than I'm missing, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> but uh, through Hollywood Park is, you know, working on creating unique community events. And I'm not going to say that I'm the, the one spearheading that. Our department's fairly big and we have people that focus on that stuff. But it's supporting where needed uh, for those community events or uh, soon to be our retail space and outside events and being that asset wherever needed. So we just had uh, Winterfest at Hollywood Park Retail. Others on our team, Anjali and and others, uh, our community team really spearheaded. Baron Davis did a a celebrity basketball game at our uh, retail space. We had vendors. We had gifting. It was a lot. It's very community based. So doing things like that for again, Inglewood as a whole, as we continue to build that identity has been very important on that Hollywood Park umbrella. I love that you mentioned the, it's gotta be both tough, but also an exciting challenge that with YouTube theater, you do have so much more competition in the market. Like I will say that probably LA has more stadiums than most (laughs) anywhere else, but still there's only so many stadiums, right? Like if Taylor's gonna play a stadium date, She's going to go to like one of three places in the LA market. Whereas with that 6,000 level, you've got a lot of competition across the market. Some of them are these older historic theaters. You've got some more modern theaters that are kind of in these complexes. So I'm sure that presents a challenge, but also a great opportunity for you to kind of carve your space in that story. For sure. And, And that's part of the partial struggles, but also excitement of my job. It allows me to be creative and think of ways of how we can use our branding and our unique identity as we continue to build that identity to, again, earmark ourselves as that venue or one of those venues. Again, there's so many competitors in that size. So whether it's the artists we're bringing or, you know, continue to ensure that our fan base is enjoying themselves and creating that unique fan experience, which is very important for us, continue to do that. It, it just like, it's constant thinking of, oh, what if we did this? Or what if we did that? And again, coming down to that one perfect idea, it will happen, but it, it takes, a, I, I would say, some trial and some error, right? And sure. that's the fun yeah. of marketing. It's it's yeah, what yeah. we do. If it works, great. If it doesn't, okay, how do we move on? And on to the next. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, that's that's the unique thing about the theater. And again, it just it's this little gem that I feel people don't know about a lot yet. Um, the people that have been there do. But once you're in there and the audio and, you know, the environment and all that, it, it's a great space, great space for music. So, Kishore, let's take let's take in the way back machine and and head back uh, many years where uh, you were, uh, if I got this right, you know, kind of a fan of the LA Galaxy, even a season ticket holder yeah. before you got your internship there. Yeah, man. So it's part of my unique story, which I think in our industry, we all share. We yeah. all have unconventional paths into this unique industry of ours. Mine was, you know, I grew up playing soccer. Uh, my dream was to be the next Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi. That was short-lived. So setting the bar low uh, right there. <laughs> That obviously didn't happen, right? Uh, so <laughs> what? As, <laughs> you still got a lot of years ahead of you, Kishore. I was sitting at the stand as a season ticket member for the LA Galaxy. And, you know, I, it was actually 2011 MLS Cup because they had like a three-peat year. Um, I was sitting in the stands. I'm like, I'm about to start. Uh, I transferred to Cal State Dominguez Hills, which actually shares the parking lot of that campus. And I was like, man, like, obviously I'm not going to be a pro. So I smacked myself with reality and I said, you know, what's the next best thing? I was like, it'd be really cool to work for the team or the stadium. Like, imagine me being able to work MLS Cup or, you know, so I started digging and doing that. And, you know, uh, being that I was on campus, I was like, oh, well, it's going to be easy. Well, it wasn't easy because it's not, you know, (laughs) just because we share a campus means they're giving jobs. So 
uh, right. I started networking. I, I attended a few networking events from Teamwork Online that the LA Kings put on, uh, had conversations with people and reps that were there. And I get, you know, I, long story short, the person I met at this networking event, I had a really bad resume, no experience. I had no real like suit or tie. It was just like a really faded dress shirt, terrible slacks, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, barely get into, into what is this industry you're trying to. And, but what I knew I had was knowledge of that product, but also sports in general. Um, yeah. And I could speak to anything that was happening in sports. So my conversation revolved around that and how I could be an asset in that way. And the guy that I spoke to, uh, I had made really terrible business cards on like Microsoft Word. Uh, I put on my <laughs> resume and he's like, oh, you know what? Not many people are doing that today. Good. Thank you for putting your, your business card on the top. Uh, not a week or two later, the LA Galaxy are like touring with the MLS Cup and all that. And I meet this guy whose name is Matt, Matt Russo. Uh, still in the industry, he uh, he's like Keyshore, and I couldn't remember his name for the life of me. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and he's like, it's Matt. I was like, Matt, how's it going? And he's like, hey, uh, there's this internship opportunity. I would love for you to apply. And it was like a unique two students from Dominguez Hills promoting like a college night at the LA Galaxy. And it was like a semester thing. I applied, went through the process, and I landed that job. So I watched them win. MLS Cup. And then that next couple months, I had an internship with them and then crushed it that first year. Uh, did phenomenal. They went back to MLS Cup as an intern. So I got to experience it kind of as an intern. Probably due to your efforts, I'm sure. You know? Oh, of course. Of course. All my, <laughs> all my, all my ticket sales uh, and fandom. And then uh, they brought me back again. So two years in a row, I did this internship and Towards the tail end, I was looking and I thought my path was going to be in sales. You know, usually in the sports world, it's you, you get into the sales side and then you move around and you figure out your path. And it wasn't working out. Uh, there was opportunities. I had applied everywhere, about like 13 different teams, sports jobs, college, all that. It wasn't working out. And I'm a big firm believer things happen for a reason. My HR person at the time told me this coordinator position opened up. And uh, I applied, had to do like a 30 minute interview with the GM uh, presentation on boxing uh, and how I would promote this event. There's the GM, SVP of AG Sports, the person who would end up being my boss in HR. And this is right. It's crazy because it's the tail end of 2013 and I'm finishing my last course at Dominguez Hills. Right as I finish my last course, I have an interview an hour later for this coordinator position. Uh, I go, I do these terrible posters. Uh, again, I still have it too. Uh, for this presentation, mock it up on Illustrator. Again, just terrible. But they look good for me at the time. Uh, Self-taught. <laughs> and then, uh, I kid you not, not a few hours later, on my way home, you know, I felt really good about that interview. I felt like I knocked it out of the park and I was actually in the mindset of like, you know, if this isn't it, I'm done. I won't even pursue a sports career or entertainment career because I had applied to everything. I got the job. So starting in January, so I had just finished my class, hadn't even graduated, like walked the stage, but I got the job in January starting uh, at the LA Galaxy at the time, StubHub Center formerly Home Depot Center as a, the marketing coordinator. So that was kind of like my start in the industry. And then that first year, I got to experience an MLS Cup as a full-time employee. So I got to see it as an intern, as a uh, no season ticket member, intern, and then as a full-time employee. And let me tell you. That's awesome. Full-time employee uh, championship party is nothing like when you're an intern. You know, it's amazing. <laughs> so... It was just the cherry on top, you know, it's kind of like that, that fandom and then seeing it throughout, again, not in my wildest dreams uh, to experience that and, and, and party alongside Landon Donovan and Robbie Keane and all these soccer greats uh, for the LA Galaxy, which was my boyhood club. Amazing. You can't write it. 
it's just so cool. But, but, you know, Kishore, you know, there's a lot of hard work that goes into that, you know, and, and yeah. you talk about crushing it, right. But, you know, it, literally you go from, you know, a game day intern to a sales yeah. and marketing intern, to a marketing coordinator, to a marketing supervisor. Yeah. So what, you know, for that young person who's listening today, who's wondering how yeah. do they get to that next step? What were the keys to you being recognized and, you know, chosen to move up within the organization? Yeah. Um, so one thing that I always tell students that I go speak to or, you know, even if it's people I interview or people that report to me, it's it's network. Um, there was one guy, his name is Jeff, uh, Jeff Ginter, that I was sitting as an intern. I remember it was my first two weeks, maybe even closer to a month. And, and I was just me and this fellow intern would just go in, sit at our desk and do our job and leave. And then he came up. He's like, what are you guys doing? And we're like, uh, doing our job. He's like, you're supposed to be here networking. Your foot's in the door. How are you not talking to people? How are you not – and he took us around and introduced us to everyone. Uh, even so, uh, before that, he took me. He's like, hey uh, – and I remember this because it terrified me after I found out. But he took me to the GM's office, Katie Pandolfo, and he's like, go ask her what she does. And I, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I walk in. And I'm like, hi, I'm Keyshore. Uh, you know, I'm intern at Dominguez Hills. I want to know what you do. And he's like, he's like, <laughs> she looked at me and she's like, a little bit of everything. And everyone back behind me is like cracking up because this is the GM. And I'm like, no clue, <laughs> just no clue. But then after that, it just like opened up that opportunity. You know, I got introduced. I met everyone, and that was the like, that's the one thing. It's network. Your foot's in the door. It's Outside of paying your dues and, and, and grinding and doing your job and asking people if they need help and, and, you know, learning from everyone around you, it's networking. It's learning people's stories and their paths and how they got there and, and, and bringing that personality of what you are to that company. Because at the end of the day, that's what, you know, I think that's what a company is looking for. It's, it's if you're a good fit and if you're a hard worker. Because this this industry is so rigorous and it's not traditional nine to five, people that can handle that. But also, you know, if if your personality fits, like again, everyone out there that is pursuing this, if you've got an internship or entry paying job or whatever that title may be, network. Every opportunity I've received in this industry and how I've climbed up the ladder is through networking. Like, uh, so true. It's so important. Yeah. And and that goes to like, whether it's marketing or sales, like if you're trying to find someone that you're doing business with, going to do business with, it's networking. It's talking to them first. It's that person to person interaction. It doesn't have to be transactional all the time. It's creating that relationship that I think is so important in this industry. And again, you, you got to pay your dues too. Like we got to grind. We got to do stuff that isn't, just handed to us like for me i was always known for asking whether it was a sales rep whether it was a game presentation anyone hey do you need any help i'm here i got an extra hour even on game days like it goes a long way because people see that even if they don't tell you thank you like know that you did it and that that gets reciprocated in this industry i feel like totally that's great advice i mean i think i think it's so much about not wasting that opportunity yeah. because you mentioned sometimes people kind of get in and then they just coast a little or they yeah. only do things that have been assigned to them. And I think you really have to grind, but you also have to think, okay, I'm already in like, how many people want to be where I'm at right now Yeah, and have exactly. this opportunity. And like, it would be silly for me to waste it by not taking full advantage and, you know, working, hard working 110 percent sure. you know you're gonna learn from it you're gonna you're gonna meet a lot of people and yeah. so much of really any industry not exclusive to live events but very much so in live events is yeah. knowing people and it's gonna yeah. help you in every side both from your career but also like advice when you've got a event you're working on or you know even like us doing this podcast you know so many 
you know, if we didn't know some of the guests, we knew someone that knew a guest or we knew someone that knew someone that knew a guest. And it's like, it's all about this connection and you really have to embrace that. And I think sometimes, which I get, like some younger people might not be as comfortable talking, but then there's ways to improve that. Like, you know, work on your networking skills, you know, work, you know, start in small little bites, but don't think, oh, that's just not me. I'm not going to, I'm not a outgoing person it's yeah. like then you know polish it you know <laughs> yeah. polish polish Make it that back. Up, so know? that's great yeah. advice and, and i uh, you know i try to do my best part in showcasing this is who i am I, I try to be this leave whatever at home at home whatever at work at work this is me i'm i'm always very and it's funny because like someone like kara always used to say like we don't know if you have a good day, bad day, uh, you know, and Carol used to be my boss, and which is like a good thing. She's like, you're just you. Uh, so, you know, I try to <laughs> do that with people that come work for me or give advice to just like, you know, like, enjoy it. There's people that think that this industry is so massive. And yes, it is. But what's crazy is that within this industry, someone knows someone that could help you get somewhere. And it's just this chain that's so small in that sense that yeah. it's amazing, right? And it's it, that's the uniqueness of our industry. The networking opportunities and the uh, availability, I tell them like just an informational interview goes a long way. For the 10 you send out, you might get that one. But at the end of the day, look, like what I'm doing right now, people like to talk about their story about themselves. They're gonna give you the time when they got the time. So. Sure. Uh, that that's big on on the networking front. So after well, almost what six years with the Galaxy, yeah. right? You make a career change. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So I, I got a call from from Kara Vanderhoek, you know, EAMC legend, and uh, this opportunity arose. And again, do networking. I had met with them, and part of my mentality while I was at the Galaxy was, I'm in LA. I should be talking to other venues. And again, this is under the same umbrella. It's AEG. I was like, what are they doing differently than what I'm doing? We didn't have a lot of concerts at the Galaxy. It was mostly sports heavy. And, you know, that's what has really created my mindset in this industry is I have that uniqueness of doing both sports and live entertainment now. But that jump was uh, it was partially driven of uh, me trying to find out what they were doing with the Latin market and, you know, marketing in itself, maybe relationships that I could get better deals or, you know, whatever that was, it was never my intention to, to work in concerts, live events. It was always just like, I want to know people that do what I do and get what I do because there's a lot of people that don't. Um, so through those networking and those lunches, uh, an opportunity arose where, you know, I got to interview for this, position as marketing manager with Staples Center and Microsoft Theater. And, you know, it's funny because for me, I was at the Galaxy. It was the the end goal for me. It was like, man, I'm working in soccer. I'm working for the team I have grown up following. What, what more do I need? But And I would always say is, man, I don't know how people work downtown. It's so busy. It's it's crazy. <laughs> Why do people like to drive there? And sure enough, I ate my words because once that opportunity came, you know, it's so hard. Like, to I love downtown. downtown. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. great. You know? <laughs> well, it's like, how often does Staples Center come calling and the people there and an opportunity to speak for that kind of position and to be at home, right? In one of the busiest venues in the US. So I packed up my bags and made the move to, to concerts and live entertainment. But also part of that mindset and decision was, you know, I'm a marketer. I know sports, I know soccer, I know boxing. We had a lot of boxing and uh, dignity health. Now, how can I be better and more well-rounded? And I, f- I saw this as an opportunity to be better in my entertainment career, as in, okay, now I can add concerts and live events to my belt. Like the sports side, I got, I know. How can I add to myself? And that was that opportunity. And, you know, I'm gracious for for that jump and that chance to work with, again, some of the best in the industry. And uh, what then became my second campus uh, under my belt, which is LA Live, Microsoft Theater and, and Staples Center, you know. So it was just too hard to pass up at the time. Tell me a little bit about then, you know, your your time there. And then kind of what you will take from that experience into your new gig uh, and how you, how you ended up at SoFi. Yeah, yeah. So uh, 
that experience again it was just learning the the ins and outs and the the challenges because again i came from the sports side so for me it was how can i better myself and understand these little nuances or whether it's the lingo or the people the you know the higher ups or you know these heavy hitters in the music industry how can i use that and learn that because that was that was the biggest struggle because on the sport for me that's the uniqueness i bring in 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 me is i've got that sports boxing you know live events kind of situation uh under my belt or experience not situation but how can I bring that into this world of concerts and live events? So for me, it was just learning all of that. It took some time. There were some bumps, but having people like Caravan Hook, having people like Marina Paul help me and, and my other coworkers, right? Samantha being one of them, uh, learning from them how to mitigate these events and figure this out because it's a whole different beast, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah was a big learning curve and what I learned from there and working the various events, you know, helped me make this transition to what is now SoFi Stadium and, and YouTube theater, because now I'm getting the both worlds. Now it's the, the sports and combat plus the concerts live events. So it's kind of that best yeah. of both worlds. It's crazy how it works out. Cause I get, you know, at, at Staples center, I didn't really do, the Lakers, Clippers, Kings, they kind of did their thing. They had their own team. We would support with social and on key events and moments. Uh, my time at the Galaxy and Dignity Health, I did the marketing buying and 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 all of that for the team itself. So it was just this cool mix of who has molded me to this new role at SoFi Stadium and YouTube Theater. And it's, did you find that you had, um, I don't know, like were there any sporting events that were at uh, you know, previously Staples Center that you were able to kind of like, oh yeah, sport, you know, a little sports, like whether it was a boxing or maybe even like something yeah. as like Harlem Globetrotters or something. Yeah. You know, I think there is like a little sprinkling of sports outside of For the sure. teams. Was that kind of this, this nice, like comfort of like, aha, it's a sporting thing. I get to, yeah. you know, dust, dust that off a little bit. For sure. For sure. Uh, and I think that's what made it unique it, it, in itself as well. Cause I had, you know, you're doing the concerts and I love music. I love all that. But it's it's also different in that sense, because in sports, I feel like you're doing. Again, in concerts, events, you are wearing multiple hats, but there you're doing a lot as well. So getting that in the in the boxing in particular, I knew those promoters from my time at Dignity Health and like, For sure. oh, Keyshore's here. Great. We know what he does. He'll do what what we need that kind of stuff and then learning with wwe and actually working with wwe or you know uh there's like a basketball hall of fame event that we took a large leap into with with marina there so i did get the sprinkling of sports but then also you know getting to work lakers opening night with evan or you know my yeah. other co-workers patrick and casey at the time Clippers opening night, Kings opening night, that kind of stuff, or jersey unveilings or statue unveilings. Yeah. All uh, NBA All-Star game, those kinds of things. I got my I got my sports in there. So it, it was fun. And it offered me the opportunity to still have that, which again is a passion of mine, but enough to where it was just like, okay, I see why I love sports a little bit now. Now I'm here. This helps me a lot. Uh so Don't- don't lie to us, Kishore. You went to <laughs> Staples because you were like, now I can finally work a WWE event. And then now Listen. you're at SoFi because you're like, I got to go to a venue where we could potentially host WrestleMania. <laughs> Which is funny because when I was at Staples, we actually came to the press conference for wrestlemania which was supposed to happen like a year sooner right but COVID kind of yeah, yeah, after. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were here and i was like man i'm actually here for a press conference for wrestlemania and we're at staples gonna support wrestlemania week with four other events so it was like yeah, i'm still yeah. getting that that love so it just that jump just so happened to to happen but uh it prepped me you know to answer your question david what I learned at Staples and from the team there is, you know, a, a lot outside of the relationships and the, the knowledge of what that process is. It's, it's establishing processes and, uh, and adjusting where needed. 
And in those industry lingos and those people that are heavy hitters, again, was a big learning curve for me Sure, uh, coming from the sports side. So that was very, very important in, in what I am now, right? Which is, I'm not going to say full, well-rounded. I'm, I'm close. Uh, I'm <laughs> We're closing the circle. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you, know, uh, you know, when we talk about being well-rounded, obviously you have a life outside of, uh, you know, what you do with, for your career. And, and I know a big, th- a big thing for you for a long time was, you know, your time with Rim of the World Soccer, where you were, you know, uh, actually worked as an assistant coach. Yeah. Is that something you still get to do? No, not, not so much anymore, man. I, I, so, I, again, I had a, a brief stint with, with Rim Soccer. Uh, my soccer uh high school soccer team i really enjoyed it because i think you get to to help mold some of these young men and i was doing a lot on the jv side and a lot of what i was doing uh this was like in the early stages of me getting in the industry especially on the sports side showing them that there is an opportunity to do these things that it isn't like there is stuff outside of soccer and working in sports so for me it was really important in showing that but all again helping mold young men to pursue whether it's a lofty goal or uh, whatever it is an ambition um that 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 was fun like i do miss it uh i do miss playing soccer i haven't done it in a while have you been able to kick the ball around down on the uh the (laughs) the sofi field there i should and next time we have the soccer field down i definitely will uh for, for gold cup uh in july but yeah, uh, doing the coaching and, and, and offering help, it, it was crazy because I didn't get to finish that season with them, the, the JV team. But at the end of the year, we had won MLS Cup, and I was able to bring MLS Cup to their end-of-the-year party and award ceremony. So for a kid, I mean, like, taking pictures and having the MLS Cup, like, I don't know, a, a unique touch. Unique touch. Yeah, that's cool. And I added trophy handler on my resume at that point too. <laughs> yeah, you have to wear the white gloves. And... Yeah, I'm actually doing that right now. We have the gold cup with us, and we're doing photo shoots and all that. And I'm walking around with a huge trophy and white gloves, and I was like, "Where are you going with that?" I'm like, "Oh, it's just my coffee mug." Uh, so <laughs> definitely done a, a lot with the trophies. So, so many great adventures. I loved uh, hearing about stuff. And, and like you said, it kind of you know feels in a lot of ways like, you, like you're just getting started. So I do appreciate you taking the time to share all that. Before you, we let you go, sense. I want to hit you with our fast five. It's five yeah. quick questions. Just looking for your instant response. First up, what was your very first concert? My very first concert was later in life, actually, was at the Santa Barbara Bowl. It was Jason Mraz. And I was probably... 17 years old uh when i went to my first concert at the time she's my wife now but my girlfriend bought me tickets went with friends made a weekend at santa barbara and got to see jason Mraz. how about your all-time favorite concert oh this one's tough I, i've been asked this a few times recently and it's so tough but as a fan it was in the nosebleeds and this is before i worked at staple center now crypto was mana uh i was like in the nosebleeds i was probably like four rows from the top but i love that band and seeing them live was amazing as an employee and working an event oh man there's so many there's so many but i'm gonna say like uh just recently red hot chili peppers was really cool at sofi stadium got to experience it had some friends there and they just put on a great show so I, i would say that what's your favorite thing to do on a day off Ooh. (laughs) <laughs> on the rear. Right. We get whatever you remember those, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh what are those? Uh hang out with my family, my kids. I've got a six year old, a three year old, and we just welcomed a pair of twins not too long ago. So, holy yeah. shit. Yeah. I'm gonna say holy shit, dude. <laughs> I think that's my first time cursing on this podcast. That's a lot. Yeah, so spending time with my family and my kids, like chilling at home, whether it's playing video games with my six-year-old or you know trying to do something fun on our day off Uh, i don't get a lot of chances to bring them into work since i live a little farther from from the stadium so it makes it harder but doing that spending time with my family oh good Uh, prayers for you man because that's that's just (laughs) i know i I just get some sleep when you can (laughs) that should be your favorite thing to do on a day off just just need Uh, a few hours uh what is who's your all-time favorite 
WWE superstar. Ooh, oh, all-time favorite. So I'm going to go with The Rock, Dwayne The Rock. Just loved him, his charisma. There's a lot. You guys are really making it difficult for me. I can <laughs> name Undertaker. I could He's got a top 20 list. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's no one. You, you mean my Mount Rushmore, right? Yeah. Uh, but there's one guy that is no longer WWE, but uh, he was WCWWE, was Sting. Uh, he yeah. Looked, oh, yeah. He looked like the crow. I got to meet him at my time at, at, at Staples Center, and it was I had him sign my shirt. Uh, <laughs> you were that guy. And I was like, oh, yeah. It went complete fangirl on him. Uh, but it was awesome. Last question. What is your theme song? So there's a reality TV show, show all about the life of, of Keyshore. Uh, what is the song that plays over the opening credits to oh, the man. theme song of, of your TV show? So there's having listened to this podcast, I've had some time to think. Uh, <laughs> there's two. There's uh, just because in terms of my personality, I feel like it fits. It's not so much my generation, but got to give it up by Marvin Gaye. Just love that beat, yes. kind of just moving and grooving. And if you see me on the AMC, you kind of get it because I'm like dancing after I had a few drinks, having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then there's another one that kind of fits my Latin side because I'm a Spanish speaker, grew up uh, listening to them is uh, Me Vale by Mana. Uh, it, it, Me Vale kind of means like, I don't, I don't give a crap. I don't care. But it's, it's cool because it's got an upbeat, exciting. And every time it plays, I have to sing it. So... One of those two. Awesome. Hey, if somebody wants to reach out to you, uh, you know, and not ask you about Taylor Swift tickets, but if, uh, or, or follow along with your adventures on social or, or follow yeah. the, uh, the venues on social, give, it, give us the plugs here. Yeah. So I'm going to start with this, the venues. It's at SoFi Stadium, at YouTube Theater, at Hollywood Park to see what we're doing and how we're doing and how we're being creative, innovative, and trying to push the envelope with our team there. And then personally, I, it's at kramligan1 on Instagram uh, and then kishore.ramligan on Facebook and all other socials. My name's unique in the sense that you'll find me. It's either me or my dad with the name. So uh, <laughs> I'm a junior. So if it's not, if it's not me, it's, it's my dad. So <laughs> apologize for any confusion. But yeah, follow me there. Uh, LinkedIn for anyone that wants to reach out and ask questions and uh, what we do in, in Latin marketing or whatever that is. Happy to answer those calls and those those questions and have those conversations uh for me it's i'm a firm believer in helping elevate and create that next generation uh of of marketers and how we can do that and, and innovate in our in our space so uh again thank you guys for for this awesome opportunity uh yeah. I look forward to seeing you guys in person real soon a truly inspiring chat today i do great talking with you and i, I really really enjoyed this today no, thank you guys. Really appreciate it. Again, uh, truly honored. It's it's cool to be able to get recognized by industry professionals. And it, it means a lot. The kid that never thought he'd work in this industry, uh, let alone speak for venues that he's worked for. It truly is amazing. So thank you. That's guys. awesome. Such a such a pleasure talking with you today, and hey, and a, and a big thanks to everybody who uh, takes the time to listen to Adventures in Venue Land and hear these unique adventures and stories, and and every every path is unique. We definitely heard one today. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast and find more episodes wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. We do love your five star reviews if you have the time, so you can help others find us. Until the next adventure, I'm Dave Rattleberger, and I'm Paul Hooper. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I have one question for you. Do you smell what Kishore is cooking? <laughs>